This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. That's what it is. It's the Danny Mac Podcast on Bet Rivers. Twice weekly for you kids out there in podcast land. It's Mondays and Thursdays. I put the uh, I put the link to the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. So for those of you who have friends who aren't subscribing, maybe they think it's too hard. Tell them just to go to my Facebook page and press play. It's very, very simple, and some people just aren't grabbing this modern technology. They've yet to abandon their flip phones, so please help me out. I would be grateful if you could do that, and I'll try to continue to be as upbeat and uh, and just full of, full of sports joy this spring because there are so many reasons to have that in Chicagoland, and uh, baseball season is here. Uh, hope springs eternal, or as former Cubs general manager Ed Lynch once told me on a show, spring hopes eternal. I guess it's correct if you want to play with words, and I've always been a word man, better better than a bird man, Jim Morrison said. So uh, baseball's here, and I've got a really fun guest to talk about a lot of different Cubs and the old way versus the new way and how they might be able to intersect circles. And I'm talking about older players and today's young players. And that is the concept of player manager. Is it, is it ridiculous to consider it in this era when you have guys like former Cubs manager, Joe Madden, who was said a few years ago, he was trying to learn the concept of the new millennium and uh, struggled to even say that and make it sound like, you know, and that is an issue. A generation that grew up pressing buttons with its thumbs, their thumbs, isn't in many cases able to communicate old school fashion, if you want to call it that. You also throw in the language barrier, the international influence on the game. Does it make sense to have a player manager in this era? Don Kessinger did that for the White Sox in 79. He's a 12-year Cub, a 16-year major leaguer. And I am stoked to have his company a little bit later on. First, I want to get you my thoughts on the Final Four. It's one of the most exciting Final Fours I can remember. We have three first-time participants. Only UConn, the biggest favorite Saturday, has been to the round of four before. Florida Atlantic opens it up as a a one-and-a-half-point dog against San Diego State. Florida Atlantic Nuggets in a second uh, UConn five and a half over Miami. The total in that game is 149. And it, it is just proof that three weeks of lose and go home is so exciting that you have a nine seed in FAU. 
in the final four. And, you know, it's what the tournament always is. Buzzer beaters, upsets. Which 12 is going to punch out the five this year? Where is this year's Bryce Drew from Valparaiso University? I think the Valpo team got to the Sweet 16 with Drew. Those are the memories that last a lifetime. It's fight songs. It's more than just cutting down the nets and uh, the signature CBS close after that uh, annual event that just is, is so cool. It remains so cool. It is a weekend to suspend disbelief and, and not be loyal to your alma mater if you have one because only four schools get an opportunity to say, yeah, I, I went there. And uh, it's just, it's an incredible event. I'm looking forward to it. It's the first time this year I wanted to sit down in front of college basketball. Florida Atlantic University is a research school in Boca Raton. The uh, enrollment today is a little bit more than 24,000. It's a research university with five satellite schools in Florida FAU is part of the 12 school state university system in the state of Florida. Like so many great things, Florida Atlantic University was born in 1961. Daffa the Capo to my pal Dennis Savard, the former Hall of Fame Chicago, still a Hall of Famer, former Blackhawk, Boomer Esiason. and so many great things came out of 61. I'm just one of them. Um, famous alums of FAU. Get ready for this one. Uh, there have been a few Major League Baseball players, including some in this century. A lot of baseball in Florida, and why not go to FAU if it's a state school? You wouldn't, you know, Sam Michael, my producer, might know these names, but you probably wouldn't. In the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys and the former Washington Redskins had a running back named Alfred Morris. You remember Alfred Morris? a guy you picked up off the scrap heap in your fantasy league because you needed a third or fourth guy, number 46 in your program, number one in your heart. He is Alfred Morris. Shannon Spake, um, NFL sideline reporter. You've probably seen her. You know her name. She's a little bitty girl, and she went to the girl. She's a nice, incredible reporter. She's fantastic. She went to Florida Atlantic. She's an alum of Florida. Mid-level musicians, a few supporting players in the worlds of television and film. The most well-known FAU alumnus, however, is a 58-year-old comedic actor named Scott Thompson. And interestingly, it's spelled with only one T in Scott, the same way former Cubs utility man, first baseman, outfielder, left-handed Scott Thompson, he also was missing a T. And I think it's greedy to add the second T. Honestly, Scott Thompson went to FAU. He's 58 years old today. You know him best as Carrot Top. Carrot Top is the most well-known FAU alum. Go FAU. I'm taking the point and a half Saturday, total of 132. I'll probably play the dog in the nightcap, UConn in Miami, just because I'd love to see a team that's never even been to the Final Four get to the championship round on Monday. Happy birthday to one of the greatest athletes of the 20th century. Secretariat was born today, March 30, in Virginia in 1970. Yes, he was one of the greatest athletes of the 20th century. He did not burst out of the gate at Churchill Downs in 73, 
like a comet. Big Red was late to the party, and then he dropped the jaws of of America with his record-setting Kentucky Derby time en route to the triple crown of horse racing. Secretariat was 19 when he died in 1989, but his spirit lives today in every athlete or every person who competes, who knows the difference between success and failure is that failure gave up. If you've seen Catch Me As You, if you can, with Leonardo DiCaprio and Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken gives a speech and talks about determination. And he, you know, in my very best Christopher Walken, two mice fell into a bucket of cream. And he talks about how the first mouse gave up and drowned. But the second mouse fought hard. He fought hard. That, that's not, that's Boston, Christopher Walken. Sorry about that. That was terrible. Uh, so he, and he churned the cream into butter until he finally was able to crawl out. And then he says, I am that second mouse. Um, to all athletes who didn't give up and refused to be that second mouse, happy birthday to Secretariat. Opening day in baseball season is one of the most special days on the calendar year. And in Wrigleyville, in this century, we saw Kosuke Fukudome, the newcomer, electrify the ballpark in Cubs Nation with three home runs. I think it was against Milwaukee. What I remember most about that game is doing my show down the street afterward because by 6 o'clock it felt like a prison riot. Everybody was excited and, and well-lubricated. Uh, going back to the 90s, Tuffy Rhodes, the big bat on opening day. In 89, the new closer, Mitch Williams, the wild thing, filled the bases with Phillies and then struck out the side. The Cubs went on to go into the National League Championship Series. But for guys my age, there is one opening day that stands out above them all. We all ran home from school to turn on Jack Brickhouse on Channel 9 to see pinch hitter Willie Smith light the fuse to the most electric season since 1945. And it's my pleasure to have the company of one of the participants. 12-year Cubs shortstop Don Kessinger is with me on the Danny Mac podcast. Don, that's the best I can do on short notice to build this conversation up. <laughs> I thank you, Dan. You did, you did really well, and I'll never forget old Willie Smith. Anniston, Alabama, I think the uh, the the home of of Willie Smith, and it was there were high expectations coming into the year, and and so much drama unfolded along the way. Did you guys get the get the feeling before you even broke spring training it was going to be one of those years where you should win? We did, we did really believe, and uh, and we should have. So we were right, but it just didn't work out that way. But yes, we left with a great deal of confidence and believing that we were as good as any team in baseball. And, uh, you know, if we just quit one month short, it'd been great. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the tag lovable losers for the, for the younger White Sox fans in particular who want to throw that at Cubs fans prior to 2016, I, I try to point out to them some of the obstacles the 69 Cubs had to overcome. All of you guys played in 160 games. Leo DeRocher did not use his bench. 
the pitching, everybody logged 35, 38 starts in a four-man rotation era. And, and, you know, there were some guys who liked to bend an elbow on that team. And in September, Ron Sano and Ernie Banks were very quiet. Well, Did Leo mismanage that roster? You know, I, I can't say that because here's the deal. If uh, we did have a very set lineup and, and we played that lineup and, and you're correct. And we'd add to the fact that our Cubs did play all day games and the sun does possibly take a little bit more out of you than teams play at night. So, but I can't blame Leo because if he had asked me, if he had asked me, do you need a day off? I would have said, heck no, I don't need a day off. We're going to win this pennant. And every player on our team would have answered the same way. Yeah, Ernie Banks. The, the Ernie Banks I remember, Mr. Cub, was he ran like he was carrying a piano on his back, and he played in 155 games that year. Billy was the National League long, uh, the Iron Man, until Steve Garvey broke that. And Don, it was an era when, you know, in baseball needed free agency. Kurt Flood, not the most famous St. Louis Cardinal, but when he when he struck a blow for the working man, and that's what you guys were in the 60s and 70s, it opened gates. But we we knew who all the shortstops were in the National League. We knew every roster, and something was lost as baseball graduated into its most celebrated eras of the 80s and beyond. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, Kurt Flood probably is – one of the more famous guys, certainly among the players, because he did take a stand and and uh, he was somewhat of a hero, one way or the other, a hero or a villain, depending on whether you, I guess, you're a player, a fan, or an owner. But uh, you know, he it was a great era. That's all I can tell you. It was a wonderful time, and uh, there's no better one than Ernie Banks, as you mentioned, Demand to go and Ron Santo and. Boy, it was great to be there. My hero was Billy Williams, and I have many cool photographs in my office with with some of my heroes, past and present. But the one that means the most to me is is was taken in spring training in zero eight, where we're just bsing around the cage at Cubs camp. My first game in sixty eight was Jenkins against Gibson. That's not a bad start. That's not a bad way to, to go into being a baseball fan. I think the game finished in two hours and three minutes. They both went the distance. Billy doubled and scored a run. And, and I was, it, it just, it, it lit the fuse to being a rabid baseball fan. What your team accomplished that way without going to a postseason cannot be overstated. Well, I thank you for saying that because uh, it was a great, it was so much fun playing there and, uh, with those guys and with the Cub fans. There's never been in, in my lifetime a, uh, a relationship between the Cubs, the fans, the fans and the Cubs. I mean, it was just, it was, as you said, it was just miraculous summer, and I'm sorry it didn't end better. Almost every Cubs fan I know has a story about about you. Um William Peterson, who created CSI, I think I told you this on the radio a few years ago, ditched school when he was growing up on the North Shore, and uh, he, was, he caught a Don Kessinger foul ball. My brother-in-law got his first autograph sitting on your lap. So that, that speaks 
to, you know, in 12 years of playing shortstop, 1,619 hits. My goodness, what what a what a terrific component to a to a team that had so much pop in the lineup too. You scored 109 runs in 69. I mean, and a guy who was from a little bitty town in Arkansas, not far from where my dad grew up in Benton, Forest City, Arkansas, near the Tennessee line. Probably a good tonic in that locker room full of characters, I would assume, Don. Well, you know, again, you get to know those guys. You love those guys. You live with them every day. And and uh, we did have a few characters, no doubt about that, through the years. And uh, but, but they always played hard, always played hard and came to the park ready to play. And, gosh, you know, you, you Billy Williams is just one of my favorite human beings of all time and the greatest hitter I've ever had the privilege to play with. So you brought up a guy that uh, – you know, it's just very dear to my heart. And uh, Ernie, you always know, Ernie came to the ballpark every day saying, oh, it's a great day for baseball today. This is a Cubs day. We're going to win two. And, uh, you know, we did sometimes, sometimes we didn't. But, boy, was that a great, great group to be with. We joked in my neighborhood, and uh, I, I grew up when it was drive-in movies and baseball cards in the spokes of bicycles. We joked that the basket was put up at Wrigley Field so Kessinger and Beckert can collect a few home runs <laughs> along the way. <laughs> 11 homers in 12 seasons as a Cub, Don. Any truth to the basket being for you and your second base pass? <laughs> well, it could have been, but, you know, I, I would say this uh, – I, you know, power wasn't, I used to go to banquets after the season or whatever, and you'd speak to little, to groups of kids. And invariably, when you'd have a little question and answer, you know, the first thing that some kid would ask me was, was how many home runs did you hit? And, <laughs> and my pat answer was, well, let's put it this way. Billy Williams and I hit 42. so so that's the best i can do (laughs) the the range you had at shortstop is something i remember uh very composed at the plate is you know the the pushing of the helmet down on the head (laughs) taking that back stretch we all we all could do kessinger from both sides of the plate in my garage and uh, I, I hope this brings back fond memories to you because I see pictures in my head of this team and it always just warms my heart, even though I defected to the dark side when Bill Melton and Dick Allen came along a few years later. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm flattered that, uh, you know, people did emulate me in some ways uh, in your garage or, or wherever. And yes, they are fond, fond memories. And uh, I wouldn't take anything for that. It was just wonderful. In 77, you become a member of the White Sox and manage the team in 79. Not many guys have done it since, uh, other than short-terming it. And Joe Madden, when he managed the Cubs to the 16th, he was talking shortly after that about not being able to relate to today's ballplayers who grow up on their phones punching thumbs instead of looking people in the eye. And it got to the conversation, could it happen again? Could, could a 35-year-old guy with a few years left in the tank be, be one of 
us without being one of them. And you, you did that. How, how tough would that be today? And how tough was it for you as you reflect? Well, it, it was tougher than I anticipated. I'd say that. And, and no, I do not believe we will see that again, because worst of all, there's just so many things you really think you thought about, but you don't until you go out there playing shortstop in the middle of a game and you start up to, say something to the pitcher and the umpire stops you and says, Hey Don, are you going up there as a player or as a manager? Because it counts or it doesn't count when you're going to. And my answer was, why don't you come with me and you tell me. So, uh, but there are things you just don't think about till it happens. And, uh, and I just don't see it happening today because there's just so many good managers, so many guys that are that can do it and not try to do both and so um i just don't see it happening i I think i wouldn't take anything for it it was wonderful bill vick gave me the opportunity to do that and uh you know and and but i I don't think that uh maybe i'd do it again and you you later coached at uh old miss that was the first time we ever talked on on the radio who, who managing today is somebody whose style you admire? And I know you still keep up on the game today because I watched you on good old Channel 9 recently with Bob <laughs> right. Scott. So who, right. who do you like? Can I say David Ross? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think, look, I think that uh, I, I'm more one that I'd, I love to play for a player's manager. I want them to understand what we're going through when you're playing out there and uh, – so I, there, are, there, there are certainly different air, different uh, guys that are personalities and all that. And uh, but, but I think like when I played, listen, when I came to the White Sox and, and played for Bob Lemon for a while, look, if you can't play for Bob Lemon or Red Shandies and St. Louis, you know, you just can't play because they let you play your game and yet they're in control and you know they're in control. And uh, I have such great respect for those kind of guys. The 77 White Sox were known as the Southside Hitmen. Uh, Richie Zisk, one of the big reasons why. And uh, that's your first year there. I, I graduated from going to a, a, a hot dog and a beer, to cold, a hot dog and a pop at Wrigley to having a few cold beers uh, when I was 16. I was the kid taking the shower, Vec put in center field with no shirt on in a cold oh, night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those were the P.T. Barnum of – of American League Baseball, and yet it could never catch up to the Cubs because what was coming in the early 80s in Wrigleyville was Harry Carey, Sandberg, and Sutcliffe in a blooming neighborhood where it was just fun to be a Cubs fan. I think the bottom line of that is that Chicago is a great sports city. And uh, I didn't know how it would be when I went from the Cubs to the Sox. And and I can't tell you how wonderful the the Sox uh, took me in, and uh, so I have a, had a day for me in 1978, and the whole deal. And so I just think Chicago is such fab. They're different fans. You're right about that. It's a different uh, set of fans that with the Cubs and Sox. Uh, you don't find too many that say, "Yeah, I like both of them." So uh, you know, it doesn't always work that way. 
But I was, uh, my yeah. first game with the Sox, I'll just tell you real quickly, my first game in the Sox, you know, I had watched Ron Sato go from the Cubs to the Sox, and being very frank, it just didn't work real well either way. And uh, so when I when I was traded there from uh, St. Louis to the White Sox, and I went, uh, when I went that first night there in, in Comiskey Park, uh, Bob Lemon came down to me, and I, I was—I just gotten there, and all, and I wasn't playing. And he said, "Look, if uh, Lamar Johnson gets a base hit, you, I want you to go run for him." I said, "Okay, sure." And uh, it might be the first time in my life I ever didn't really pull hard for the hitter because I wasn't sure—I <laughs> wasn't sure what was going to happen if I and Lamar Johnson hit a double, and so Bob said go get him. So I ran out there and, uh, you know, and, and it was the greatest ovation I've ever had in sports. They, they just were super. And, uh, in fact, Bucky Dent walked over to me and said, what'd you do to these people? I said, I have no idea, but you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so it was, it was a great deal. It really was. And I, I can't say enough how much I love that city. Yeah, and Bucky Dent, one of one of World Series history's most improbable heroes. Uh, before Buddy Biancalana and so many others is just what makes that that month so so special. What what about the game today? Do you like and not like? Well, I've, you know, honestly, uh, the game's a good game. I, I've I've been in favor of many of these rules recently that they're trying to put in because I do believe the game had gotten too long for the average fan. Uh, you know, three to four hours is a long time out there. And uh, so I've been in favor of that. But, you know, let me tell you, people say they don't do fundamentals like they used to and all that. Look, these guys are fantastic players. They're bigger, faster, stronger, and... Uh, so I give them their props, I'm telling you. And uh, the game is a good game, and the game we still are. And, and we'll see. I think the speed, the clock, we'll all agree is a better thing in the future sometime. But especially it seems to me it's affecting the hitters a little more than it is the pitchers because they want to step out and do their batting gloves and all that stuff, and you just can't do that. And uh, so I guess I would come in favor of the speed clock because I think the game needed to be speeded up. I, I agree with you completely. I think most baseball fans are excited, but I have to call you out. You were one of those guys who'd step out of the box and look down to Peanuts Lowry at third base when you were hitting from the left side and stretch the back. And so, but you, you're you're right. It's good. You know, younger fans say it's going to look like watching Mark Burley face Mark Burley. It looks, it's going to look for us old timers like Gibson and Jenkins. Well, I, you know, I I can tell you, I probably stepped out of the box because I was try, I was thinking, okay, now. What do I do now against this guy? You know, uh, but but uh, but you're right. I probably slowed the game down too. But uh, but it's a great game. It's really a great game. Yeah, Billy'd want to step out and hit the hit his spit in the air. And uh, yeah, we we had nowhere to go though because we had guys who were pitching who went nine innings every game. I'd be for bull, more bullpen restrictions, too. We don't need a pitcher for every out or every guy whose spray chart says this or that. Don, this this has been so much fun to catch up with you, and I know I 
I speak for a lot of my listeners and Cubs and White Sox fans, baseball fans who are listening to us today. Thank you for the memories. And the last question I want to ask you is what relationships from the game you loved and meant so much to you for so many years remain the strong connections you enjoy today? Well, you know, it's sad to say, uh, so, so many of, we're losing so many of my teammates. And, uh, so I, you know, Beck and I were together so many years and, and, uh, Glenn and I probably talked more on the phone after we had retired and living where we were than other people, but than some of the others, but, uh, you know, Randy Hunley's camps, we were, had a chance to be together some with different. And so, uh, you know, I, it, it's sad to say most of the guys that I really would have hung out with a little bit and conversed with, you know, are uh, with the Lord today. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to get to know Glenn Beckert just a little bit uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, in a celebrity golf tournament. We were representing Chicago. All the snowbird cities had former athletes and sports. And uh, he's the only ex-Cub I ever saw on the practice tee at 7 in the morning with a vodka in one <laughs> hand and a Marlboro light in the other. I'm going to act like I didn't hear that. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, Fergie Jenkins, when I saw him two years ago, looked and sounded fantastic. And I know Billy has had some issues with Shirley over the last few years that have occupied his time. But, man... Special times. Uh, oh, no. Thank you so very much. I, it's been a joy to me. And we're here again. Here we go. We're getting ready to start another Here we year. go. Let's go. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast. Adam Delavitt takes care of all of the business for us at the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And he's got a terrific staff with Alex. Alex Pastor and Connor Pelton and my producer, Sam Michael, do a great job as well. Look forward to visiting with you again on Monday. Hope you enjoy the first weekend of baseball. Um, I have low expectations for both teams locally because I've seen these movies too many times. But with the Cubs, it's still about building. With the White Soxes, can you win a division with six DHs on your roster? Thanks for listening. Thanks to Don Kessinger for warming our hearts with some of those great stories. I'm Danny Mack, and I'm Tail Lights. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.